take that off mute. How's everybody this morning? Happy Father's Day to the guys. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to do some meditation, but what I want this morning, we're just going to play a song. So what I want you to do is for the first part of it is just relax and just kind of uh, uh so for this method, I guess, for lack of a better term, I want you to just kind of zone out and just let the music speak to you and minister to you. And then we'll take just a little bit of quiet time, and I'm probably going to speak a little bit longer today. So uh, hopefully you won't fall asleep. But if you do, you probably need the nap, and it's all good. (laughs) You can just lay before the Lord. (laughs) But what I want you to do is get in touch with Christ who is actually in you, right? Not just around you, but Christ who's in you. And and let that, uh, let your heart, your mind, your emotions make that connection with that treasure that you have in earthen vessels, as the Apostle Paul said, right? So just close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, relax, and let the music minister to you. Okay, I want you to uh, just kind of come back in the room. And we're going to put the offering baskets out and uh, go ahead and receive our offering. Um, a few of you have shared how you've started practicing. You can keep the music on just a little bit. A few of you have shared with me how you've started practicing some more meditation-type principles that we've been teaching and um, what a difference it's made for you in situations that have come up, uh, that you're handling them differently. So getting in touch with that divine aspect that's inside yourself is super important uh, and powerful and transforming. So... um, Thank you for, you know, taking this journey together and participating in this. And uh, you can go ahead like we would. And normally if we had worship, we'll have a baskets up front. You can bring your offering, pray over it, however you want to do that. Um, so we'll take just a couple more minutes and then we'll get into the message. Okay. How's everybody feeling? Good. We are going to, uh, I'm going to introduce a new concept Uh, brand new concept this morning here, something we've never talked about here. Uh, And I want to use scripture, and I want to start in Genesis chapter 1. And actually, I'm going to use the NIV, kind of flipping back and forth between translations. And I'm just going to read three or four verses and then uh, introduce these concepts. Genesis chapter 1, when God makes man, in verse... uh, 26 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind, it's important, humanity. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image, In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So, two things I want you to see there that's very important. Number one, well, let's let's just break it down. First of all, it's an image. An image is is a reproduction, right? Or in ancient culture, an image was an imprint. It was a stamp, something that that was imprinted. So... I want you to think about it this way. God is saying, let us imprint 
humanity with our image and after our likeness. And then in that imprint that is the image of the divine, there is both, there is a polarity of masculine and feminine. It is an equal polarity. So there's not more masculine in the divine than there is feminine. And there's not more feminine than there is masculine. We are just conditioned in the West because we're dealing with a Christianity that came up through a patriarchal system. And our Western culture came up through a patriarchal system. And our translations were translated really in the 1600s, right? So we are conditioned to think about God primarily in the masculine. So even when you talk about the feminine aspect of God, uh, we have a tendency to think it's like 10% or something, just unconsciously, right? But I want you to see that's not true. The image of God has equal polarities of masculine and feminine, right? Now, Jesus said that God is spirit. So here's what, in order to grasp this, what I have to say right off the bat, I want to talk about uh, masculine things, because it's Father's Day, right? But... I want you to understand when we're talking about the image of God being masculine and feminine, we're not talking about whether you stand up or sit down when you go to the bathroom. (laughs) And we're not talking about a sexual act, which means we are not, we are not, when we're talking about the image of God, masculine and feminine, we are not talking about physical characteristics because God is spirit. So we are not talking about gender. We are talking about masculine and feminine characteristics that transcend gender that are intrinsic to who God is. Therefore, intrinsic to who we are as humanity in the image of God. Let me do it this way. God created the animals before he created the human, right? Is there gender masculine and feminine gender and reproduction in the animal world is there obviously yes right it wasn't a trick question but are animals created in the image of god so when he says in the image of god he created them male and female he's saying he's talking about something that transcends the animal kingdom So he's not talking about gender or the way you relieve yourself or the way you reproduce. Got it? And here's the thing. He says male and female, he created them. Right? So here's the issue. If you have the divine image inside of you, and if you have God inside of you, then you, all of you, have both the masculine and the feminine characteristics inside of you, inside of your soul. We're talking about something that's spiritual, and we're talking about something that is psychological. We're not talking about something that's physical. Does everybody understand that? So the way I want to describe it or talk about it to make it easier for us to understand, I want to talk about masculine energy that comes from, the pre- that comes from who God is, and I want to talk about feminine energy that comes from who God is. And you have both polarities inside of you and in order for the image of god to be reflected in you you have to have a perfect balance and harmony and union 
between those energies inside yourself. And a lot of the problems that people have in life, psychologically, a lot of the problems that people have in family, a lot of the problems that people have in marriages, a lot of problems that people have on the job place, a lot of problems that we have in church, and a lot of problems that we have in society is the direct result of the imbalance of the masculine and feminine energies that come out of the image of God that you were created in among them, which is humanity. Giving you a second to process. <clears throat> now, with that in mind, I want you to come with me to 1 Samuel 24. I want this to be healing this morning, as well as enlightening. <clears throat> First Samuel 24, verse 20. Now, this is Jonathan, who is the son of Saul, who was chosen to be king, right? And Israel asks for a king, and if you know the story, God tells him, if, if I give you a king... The king is going to take away your strength. But specifically, watch this. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this that will apply to your life. The king, is, whose head and shoulders above the rest, is going to take from you your young men, your property, and, and your uh, income. It's going to tax you. Literally what he's saying is he's going to take away all your strength and consume it upon himself. So that king gets rejected by God, and God raises up David, who is a king after God's own heart, right? Jonathan is the son of Saul. So he was next in line to be king. And here's what Jonathan says. Let me find the verse again. In verse, starting in verse 20. Jonathan speaking to David, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my seed or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul, then Saul returned home. But David, I'm sorry, he's talking to Saul. Anyway, I had it wrong, but still the same point. Saul's talking, I know you're going to be king, but don't cut off my seed. So here's the point. Saul is going to cut off the seed by taking the men and the money and all of that and consume it upon himself. That's what he's doing. When David becomes king, he says, "When you be, I know you're going to become king, and when you become king, don't cut off my seed. Got it? And then the last one I want to look at is in Isaiah chapter 3, if I can find it. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 11. Woe to the wicked, disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done, verse 12. Youths or children oppress my people. Women rule over them. My people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. Now, I want to be very clear up front to say that 
we absolutely need in the church and in society, I believe this with all my heart, we absolutely need women and women's voice in leadership. And I believe that a woman is fully qualified and ordained of God to lead in any capacity, same as a man. Her, her gender parts do not disqualify her in any way, shape, or form from leadership. The point here is not that a nation comes under judgment and so God puts women over them. The point here is that the masculine energy will be suppressed. Not male energy, masculine energy. So let's look at it this way. Here's how I want to talk about the difference between the masculine and the feminine energies. Let's think about it as energy that all of us have inside of our soul, right? Masculine energy, there are archetypes of what what psychologists call archetypes or uh, the original pattern of masculine energy that show up in our stories, stories that we tell. So what flows out of the masculine energy is the warrior, the hero. Think uh, the Avengers, uh, Captain America, Thor. It's it's that masculine energy that is the hero. Got it? Um, So it, it, it is the power to initiate change in an environment. It's the power to initiate change. It's, it's the, it's the power to penetrate an environment and leave a seed that will reproduce change. So it's the power to break through something. It is also the power to stand, to stand up. So, so when you think of, you think of strength, you think of protecting, think of the hero rescuing the maiden. Right or rescuing the world or whatever. Here's the people that don't have the strength and don't have the power for themselves. So here comes the hero that by his strength overwhelms the enemy and rescues those that are less capable. That is a masculine principle that women have as well as men. So it's an energetic principle. Do you see it? The feminine is that which can receive the change that has been initiated and through patience and nurture and compassion can cultivate that which has been initiated by the masculine energy in order to bring change. Therefore, in order to have real change and to have real life, you have to have both energies working together, not at odds with one another. You see it? So the feminine energy is the mother energy or the maiden energy, right? Masculine energy could also be the sage, the wise person who can penetrate an environment of foolishness with wisdom. And then the fool has to take on the feminine energy to be humble enough to receive what's being given, even though it's going to be disruptive to their foolishness. (laughs) and then embrace that wisdom and nurture that wisdom until something beautiful is brought forth. Is this making sense to you? So so what we say and what we have said, I mean, you can look at religion, right? Any any religion that you want to. Uh, 
I'll give you an example from Islam in a minute. But since most of us have been brought up in Christian, well, all of us probably brought up in Christian Europe and we're familiar with the structures within the church, we, we can recognize, I hope, I hope in 2018 that we are at a place that we can recognize that in the church there has been an oppression of women. Right? We don't want women in, in, having equal say in leadership. There's still places. I mean, it just amazes me. I still talk to people. There is... Uh, um, lady that started coming to our church who came from another place that had a powerful ministry and she was married, had a powerful ministry. Her husband um, was unfaithful and um, had all kinds of issues. They end up getting divorced. And as soon as the divorce happens, they sit her down from ministry because she doesn't have a covering. She doesn't have a male through which she can get to God anymore. <laughs> right? And I'm just like, this is 2018. <laughs> but see, that's so entrenched in people. And we look at with that. And so it's easy to look at that and say, that is the oppression of the feminine. But I'm here to tell you, it is not the oppression of the feminine. It is actually the oppression of the masculine energy trying to manifest itself through a woman. The, the church is not interested in suppressing the feminine energy at all. What the church is interested in doing, not just the church, any governmental system or structure of control, what it is interested in doing is suppressing the masculine energy and cultivating the feminine energy. So therefore, the church will tell you if you're a woman, stay in your place, and your place is in the home. Your place is having babies. Your place is submitting to your husband. Do you see it? It's, 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 it's basically to tell a woman, you don't have a right to any masculine energy. Your, your place is completely relegated to the feminine energy, and that's where we want you. So do not begin to rock the boat. And if you rock the boat in some of these places and in some of these systems, if you're a strong woman, if you have a free thought, and you don't have to just be a woman... <laughs> By the way, if you have a free thought, if you think differently, if you want to go a different direction than what the leadership wants to go or what the government wants to go, then all of a sudden you're a Jezebel. You know, I mean, man, in the 90s, did we throw around the word Jezebel? You know, anybody that, that thought differently, they were a Jezebel. Listen, Jezebel, and, 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 and this woman, you know, she came out of this, and there was people, she had to sit down and shut up. She didn't have a covering anymore. And there were people, ultimately, that, you know, accused her of being a Jezebel. And, and that was traumatic. No, I'm thinking of a different, different individual. So two, two ladies I've talked to within the last couple of weeks. I was talking to another friend of mine who uh, went in, has incredible leadership gifting, has incredible administrative gifting. Um, I tried to recruit her, but she, she decided to stay where she is um, and <laughs> for here because she really helped us. Um, but she offered to consult with us for free. But, but she's been CEO for companies. She, she's done all kinds of things. And she goes into this church and she takes over the administrative stuff there and the church just explodes and grows because she was able to bring that gifting. But ultimately, the man who was in charge of the church ended up accusing her of, of being a Jezebel. And, and she's a number of years removed from that experience now. And when she was talking to me and telling me, and when she said that, you know, they accused me of being a Jezebel, I recognized in the um, in her demeanor, in the in, in the emotional expression, in her physical language, the way her face flushed, she's still hurting from that. And I said, "Really, you're a Jezebel?" I said, "How many prophets' heads did you cut off? 
How many people did you murder to steal their inheritance? See, we throw these labels around at people and, and it's just, it is, it, it's so sad because these guys really believe they're serving God and representing God and they are completely under the control of that which they're accusing other people of doing. They're completely under control by power of darkness that feeds upon their ignorance because they think that they have all the answers and their hearts are completely close to truth, completely close to new ideas because they want to be the only expression of masculine energy in the place and they want to feminize everybody else, men and women included. And Christianity is one of the worst at feminizing both men and women. Because here's the thing, if you're a man, like this is one of the things I was taught in, in, in Bible school. The pastor has the vision for the future. The pastor has to give the vision for the future, and he's like, and they, and they use the illustration of the tree, of a tree. The, the roots are, go down into the ground of God, the pastor is the tree, he's the leader and the one that has the vision, and then all the other ministries branch out from the pastor's uh, vision if it's going to bear fruit. So therefore, watch this. So if you come into the church, you have to come under the vision, the thinking, the opinion, the direction. You have to completely agree with the man in charge. And we criticize, because see, we criticize the Muslims. (laughs) This is going to be a strong statement, but I'm declaring war on this thing. We criticize Muslims. Because their idea of heaven, reportedly, is that a man dies and goes to heaven and has what? Seventy virgins. And no competition. The singular masculine energy and seventy surrounded by all this feminine energy that can cultivate the desires that are in his heart. But pastors do the same thing. Church growth people do the same thing. You have the vision. People need to come in and serve the vision. They need to come in and serve the house. They need to come in under the covering of the pastor. Where do you think they got the term covering? Think about it. Because, you know, they only do it missionary style. We're all adults here, most of us. You get it? Covering's not in the Bible. It's not. There's no place in the Bible that says your pastor is your covering, or your apostle is your covering, or the elders are your covering, or any of that nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. And we scare people and tell people, oh, if you... If you disagree, you're touching the Lord's anointed. If you disagree, you've got a Jezebel spirit. If you have a free thought, we better cut that off. And that's what the religious system will do. If you have a free thought, if you go a different direction, you have a new thought, you have something that is penetrating the environment to bring change to a dysfunctional, dying group of people (laughs) that could bring life and could bring change into that place. And it threatens the masculine energy because yours is getting activated. Your masculine energy is saying, hey, I have a new idea. Hey, I want to go on an adventure. Hey, I want to do something different. And they're threatened by that. So here's what they want. Watch this. What they want is feminized people who will come in and serve and give and nurture and do all those things. And so what are we told a good Christian is? A good Christian doesn't get angry. A good Christian doesn't fight. 
A good Christian turns the other cheek. A good Christian never says a harsh word or an angry word to anybody. Never puts anybody in their place. Never has an independent thought. Can't have a vision of your own. Can't have a mission of your own. And so to be a good Christian, we have to practice suppression of the masculine energy. And the problem is, is that masculine energy is trying to, trying to come up and trying to come up and trying to come up. But oh, I gotta be a good Christian. Oh, I gotta be a good follower. Oh, I gotta be a dutiful soldier. And so you suppress it. And here's the problem. Suppression creates resentment. It can't not. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's true in physics, and it's true in life, and it's true inside your heart. So if you suppress, somebody upsets you, and you get angry, and you don't give expression to that anger because you judge it as being evil, and you cut it off, and you suppress it, and you take on the feminine energy of, yes, sir. It creates, it sows inside of you the seed of resentment. But you don't resent the person as much as you resent yourself. And you can never be whole. And you can never live a holy life until you can own both the masculine and the feminine energy inside of you and consciously manage it. I'm not saying you tell off every person that gets into your space. But I'm saying that you have the conscious choice whether or not you do. We were at a restaurant not too long ago. And these two guys were getting... Too many drinks in them. Big guys. And they start an argument. You can see the argument. You can feel the tension building. And they're sitting over right next to us. And I got Julie and the boys there. And pretty soon they start yelling at each other. I mean, yelling at the top of their lungs. Next thing you know, they're yelling obscenities at each other. And I'm waiting for somebody on staff. I mean, this thing's going on. And my family's watching this. And I'm waiting for somebody. And then there's these guys are at a table of guys. And I'm like, why doesn't one of the guys there, like, bring some peace to this situation? And then I'm waiting for uh, the staff to deal with it. But um, nobody's dealing with it, right? So finally I told Julie, I said, let me out. I know how to deal with this. <laughs> so I walk over to these two guys who are, you know, puffing out their chest. I don't know why we do that as men. Why do we puff out our chest? It's just crazy. It just gives them a better target. But anyway... Um, <clears throat> So I walk up to these guys and I say, listen, guys, I said, I don't know what's going on here. I said, but you guys are yelling obscenities at each other. And I got my wife and my kids right over there and they don't need to hear this and they don't need to see this. So why don't I buy you guys a couple drinks and you can settle down and you can talk it over. And they looked at immediately sat down, red faced, got embarrassed and apologetic. I said, look, I'll buy the whole table around of drinks if it'll just calm this down. But my family doesn't need to see this. And they, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. They sat down, still steaming, fuming at each other. And that was it. And I go, I look up, and the whole restaurant's like this, you know. And I look up, and they'll, you know, go back down. It's like, it's so funny, right? And I go, I go sit back down, 
And then at one point, you know, they start raising their voice again, and all I had to do was look over, and those guys just kind of like this, you know. And and then what was funny was the one guy, despite the rest of them, he took my idea, he went over and paid everybody's bill, and then came out and said, I bought all y'all, and then, you know, kind of flipped them the bird and walked out or whatever. But here's my point. Anybody could have done that. Anybody could have done that. But it took a conscious choice to own my own masculine energy to do that. Now, in different settings and in different situations throughout my life, I would have been afraid to do that. I might have wanted to do that and not done anything about it, right? But done it unconsciously, not done it unconsciously. Do you see what I'm saying? By the same token, I could have had the power to remove my family from that situation. Or I could have had the power to ignore it like everybody else, including the staff in the restaurant, was doing. Right? And either one would have been okay if I'd have done it from a place of choice, knowing that owning my power and making a decision whether or not to act on that power. Do you see the difference? So that you recognize what's going on inside you and you manage it. Make sense to you? But you get, you get in some of these groups, and it doesn't have to be in a church. It can be in a workplace. It can be in a, a uh, school system. It can be in a family. If you dare to have a voice, if you dare to speak something different, if you dare to think different, boy, they're going to set you straight. They're going to put, they're going to suppress that masculine energy, and they're going to put you right back in your place. And there are many, many guys who play the role of the dutiful soldier because they're trying to be good Christians. And they think if they get angry, it's a sin. Listen, part of the reason anger is an energy that is there to let you know, most of the time, if you're balanced, if you're not reacting out of some stupid thing, which a lot of us are doing at different times. But here's the real purpose of anger. You could call it righteous anger. Somebody is in your space violating your boundaries, trying to tell you that you're wrong and you can't go out and live life the way that you are consciously choosing to live your life, that you cannot think the way you are consciously choosing to think. And anger rises up inside you. Why? Because your life expression given to you from God, that part of you that is in the image of God, is demanding expression. And somebody is trying to stop it. And so the anger rises up so that you can push through, you can penetrate through that boundary that that other person is trying to place over your life so that you can go on an adventure and you can live like, you can give expression to the life that's in you, you can give expression to your unique voice, you can give expression to your unique dreams, and you can go out and, and you can manifest something different, you can manifest life, you can manifest change, and somebody's in your space, and, and if you get angry and tell them off, you're being a bad Christian, I tell you, no, you're being godly you're operating in the image of god it's and it's absolutely pleasing to god when masculine energy is manifested in that way and if it hurts that person's feelings good i don't know where we got this idea that pain is a bad thing imagine if you never felt any physical pain half of you would have no hands because at five years old it would have stayed on the stove Pain is there to signal, uh, there's a problem here. And somebody who violates, who tries, who tries to, to, to cut off your seed. See, that's what Saul's saying. Don't cut off my seed. Don't take my strength. 
And if somebody's trying to cut off your seed or take your strength from you, whether you are right or whether you are wrong, they are wrong. And they, they have their hand on a hot stove and they don't know it. And as long as you play the dutiful soldier and as long as you just walk in your little feminine energies, then what's going to happen is it's just going to permit them and allow them to keep their hand on that stove. They need to feel spiritual and emotional pain because they need to change. They need to back off and they need to get their own self sorted out. And so I want to talk to the women today as much as the men and say, allow yourself to have an expression of masculine energy. Allow yourself to own that thing inside of you that wants to set boundaries, that wants to speak your voice, that wants to live life your way. It's okay. Let me tell you that most marriages go through trouble in midlife because most Christian marriages go through trouble in midlife because the wife has been told to submit. She's been told to occupy only the space of the feminine energy, but she has masculine energy inside her soul, intrinsic to her very essence and her very being that needs to find expression. And you can only suppress for so long. A lot of men go through midlife crisis because they've been playing the dutiful soldier and they're out of balance too because they've been feminized by the culture. They've been feminized by the church. They've been feminized by society. They've been told they have to do this and they have to do this and they have to fit into this little box. And there's something inside them that says, no, I want adventure. I want, I want change. I want life. I want to conquer something. I, I want to manifest something. I want to build something. And that thing builds up and builds up and builds up and they suppress and they suppress. And the more you suppress, the more it builds up until you wake up 45, 46, 47, 35, whatever it is, and you just can't take it anymore. And, and it explodes. And sometimes it's channeled and managed in a way that is life-giving. and some Well, it's always life-giving. Sometimes it's more destructive than others. So here's what can happen in marriages in midlife. Let's see if this sounds familiar. And I'm sorry if I'm meddling in your business, kind of. I mean, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to win somebody's argument. So don't go home and say, well, the pastor said, you know. Unless you choose to. You know, you're free to use your masculine energy however you want. Just, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. That's really all. That's a very self-serving statement. You go do whatever you want. Okay, the feminine energy cultivates relationships. The feminine energy is compassionate. The feminine energy is nurturing. The feminine energy is patient. Those things. Kind. Right? And so, here's a couple... They get married at 21. And the wife plays the feminine energy. It's, it's alive in her. She doesn't even know she has masculine energy yet. This is hypothetical. So she puts a ton of effort into the relationship. She plans the events. She keeps the conversation going. He comes home from work. He wants to watch TV. She's making him sit down and listen and talk. Right? Doing all this year after year after year, raising the kids. Year after year after year. And the husband's what? The husband's out expressing his masculine energy. Working. Providing. Leading. Whatever. And we really don't express masculine energy, guys, in a healthy way. Because when ours gets suppressed, you know where it comes out? It comes out in sporting events and it comes out in video games. 
A lot of guys get addicted to video games because they can't figure out how to express their own masculine energy in society. By And, and it's painful and it's risky. Because you start expressing your masculine energy, you've got to take risks. You start expressing your masculine energy, you've got to go against the system. You, you've got to, you've got to take chances. And you're going to fail and you're going to fall. Look at, read any story that, that is the hero's journey. He's never successful at first. You've never watched a movie where the hero just went out and conquered right away. Why? Because it's boring. It doesn't feed your soul. You don't have Rocky winning at the last second in Rocky 2 if you don't have him losing to Apollo Creed in Rocky 1. You don't have him... Rocky 3, you don't have him beating the snot out of Clubber Lang if Clubber Lang didn't first beat the snot out of him. Those Rocky's a really good example of the hero's journey. But there's pain and there's risk and, the, and involved in all that. So what we do is we over-identify with sports teams... Because we don't have to get on the field. And we can argue and cheer and get angry and sort of channel vicariously our energies into that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying if, but, but you've got to make sure that you're not, that you're not wasting your seed. Or we sit in a video game and we get to the next level. And then we get to the level after that because it allows us to conquer and conquer and conquer. But if we die, we just hit reset. Come on, guys, how many of you ever played a video game and, ah, I got further last time, I reset it. And so there are guys, and so you'll find this, guys that are addicted to video games have no life. You can't get a life unless you have, think about it on the natural and on the spiritual. You cannot get a life unless you have masculine energy. Can't get pregnant without a man. Can't bring forth any kind of life. Can't get a life unless you have the strength to do it. So here's what happens. Forty-something years old, the wife wakes up and says, I'm tired. My world has been revolving, has been the feminine revolving around this masculine energy for 20-some years. I've, been, I've played the role of 70 virgins to one man. This kind of preaching gets you in trouble. <laughs> and the guy's clueless. He thinks it's great because he didn't have to put in any effort in the relationship. Not really. And then all of a sudden, the wife says, I'm going to go get a life. You don't meet any of my needs because the man has never cultivated. Here's the other side of this. The man has never owned or cultivated the feminine side of himself. Men don't cry. Men don't talk. Yeah, biggest lie, biggest lie I ever heard in church was women speak 70,000 words or 700,000 words a day and men only speak 10,000 words a day. And so man's used up his 10,000 when he's uh, been at work. So when he comes home, he doesn't have anything more to say and he just sits there and listens to the wife talk incessantly because she hasn't talked all day. Anybody ever heard that in a church? And who'd you hear it from? A woman? That is a lie to perpetuate a system that's dysfunctional and breaking down. So what does the man say? So the woman's saying, I need to go out and get a life. And what does the man say? What do you mean? 
The, the wife says, you don't love me. Well, because you haven't cultivated your feminine energy. And so what does the man say? What do you mean I don't love you? I've been what? Out working. I've been providing for you. I've been doing this, that, and the other thing. All this expression of masculine energy. And he sits there completely clueless and thinks his wife's gone insane. <laughs> so they go down to the pastor. And the pastor, marriage counseling as a pastor is easy because you don't got one verse. One verse in Ephesians. Wives, submit yourselves unto the husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So what's the advice that she gets? You just need to submit. You just need to quench that masculine energy inside of you. And the woman at that point has a choice and the man at that point has a choice. And if the woman will say, I'm going to cultivate... <laughs> I'm sorry, submission be damned. I am going to cultivate the masculine energy and I'm going to go out and get a life. Right? And what does the man need to do? The man needs to come along with feminine energy and say, okay, I will support you. I will help you. Or she can stuff it down and she'll wake up at 60, 65, 70, Married and resenting every moment. Because for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And so, guys, us too. There needs to be ways in which we cultivate that feminine energy, where we cultivate that relational aspect, where we cultivate that nurturing aspect, where we cultivate that soft aspect that is moved with compassion, that's not afraid to cry, Go see the, You want to get a, an example of this? Go see The Incredibles. The new movie that came out. I won't spoil it for you, but in The Incredibles, we saw it Friday. That's what he liked to want to do for his birthday. His birthday was Friday. He's eight years old. Can you believe it? You got this, this family, and you got Mrs. Incredible. Anyway, I won't spoil it. But she is the one who's going out fighting crime. And Mr. Incredible is the one staying home, taking care of the kids. And they're both in crisis. She can't deal with these enemies. She has to overcome her fear and all this stuff, her mindsets. She has to overcome her mindsets. But when she goes out there, she does a great job. He has no clue what to do, so they're both failing at first. Because he's got to cultivate that feminine aspect of himself that can connect with his family, that can connect with his daughter. It's a beautiful movie. And it's a picture of what we need to do. So let me just submit this to you. Is it possible when God said the two shall become one flesh that he's not just talking about a physical union between a man and a woman? But that in the one flesh of you, because see what we do and what we're taught to do. Okay, all right, so let me back up. Is it possible? <laughs> we start over. <laughs> that when God says the two, male and female, shall become one flesh, that he's not just talking about a physical marital union. But he's talking about the masculine energy of the image of God that's been placed inside you by God and the feminine energy of the image of God that's been placed inside you by God, both being cultivated and finding harmony and union within one flesh. And that actually is the key that unlocks 
the realm of the Spirit and opens up vistas of power and authority and anointing that lets the power of the Spirit flow and lets new life come in. And is it possible that what God is saying on a deeper level when He says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. See, the masculine and feminine are perfectly joined inside of God. But when we start talking, overemphasizing gender roles so that we over-identify the physical gender with the energetic characteristic that it represents, that we are separating people and we are causing them to split inside their own soul. So that dads, and I know most of you have kind of passed this age, but maybe you needed to let your boys play with dolls just a little bit. Maybe if you did, they wouldn't be having some of the marriage trouble that they're having later on down the road. And maybe it's okay for girls to be tomboys without having the stigma because they'll probably grow up to be stronger leaders and in some ways, more able to manifest the life that they want than trying to keep them in dresses all the time. You can see it with your kids. You can see your... But see, society's taught us stuff, so my boys want to play with a doll or something. Like, <gasps> I'm not raising no sissy. I'm not raising no... And most of us grew up under that. So most of us were taught... Guys, listen to me. Most of us were taught when we didn't have choice to suppress everything inside us that was feminine. Talking to the men. So we could be a man. Right? But there's got to be a way. It's still in there. And it needs to be cultivated. So I want to challenge you to look at your life and say, where am I out of balance? Have I been sacrificing my masculine energy to the idol of people-pleasing and social conformity? Or have I been sacrificing my feminine energy to the idols of the gender role that I play in my culture? And what can I do to cultivate one or the other but it starts by recognizing it and owning it so that you can manifest it and in order to do that we're back to what we're back to not judging yourself you get angry and put somebody in their place and what do you do you go away and feel guilty for making them feel bad Instead of feeling guilty, you need to celebrate the fact, maybe I didn't do it perfectly, but I manifested part of the image of God that was in me. You're moved with compassion by something, and you start to choke up, and you start to cry, and you start to feel embarrassed, and you start to feel ashamed. Why? Because you're judging that weaker side of you or whatever. But just celebrate it all. Just celebrate it all. Just let all of who you are come out and manifest and and actualize and just celebrate all of it without judging it. (laughs) Without condemning yourself, without suppressing it. (laughs) Own it. Figure out how to manage it. If you quit pushing the beach ball under the water, the beach ball will eventually float to the top. 
It only gives you resistance because you're giving it resistance. And if you can get enough resistance, think of a slingshot. If I can get enough resistance, it's going to come firing out of that thing. But if I don't resist, the two will dwell together in peace. So don't resist that stuff and say, don't feel ashamed of it. They were in the garden. They were together, male and female, and they were both naked and unashamed. It was only when they ate at the tree of judgment that they started seeing fault with the energies that were perfectly blended as one in the Garden of Eden, walking with God. And that garden is inside your heart. You've got an Adam and an Eve and a paradise inside of you. And you only have the battle of the sexes in there when you eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and start judging each other for their expressions. They're open, bare, vulnerable expressions. I hope this brings some healing to you. I hope it makes you think. (laughs) I hope it encourages you. Listen to it over and over. Think about it. Cultivate inside yourself. Look at where you need to balance. And I promise you, it'll be a crisis. (laughs) I promise you it will be a crisis. But I promise you if you will stick it out, you will find a blend of balance and harmony and freedom and joy and peace and life inside you like you've never been able to experience before. Because you will be a whole person actualizing the image of God inside you. Lord, thank you for your people. I pray a blessing on this message for everyone that hears it. pray a blessing on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a happy Father's Day. God bless you.